This is episode nine versus Media Live. I'm Stephen L. Miller, and uh, kind of keeping in track with anything but SCOTUS nominees and Ukraine, um, I thought it would be fun to kind of go a bit into a, a small cultural phenomenon called Elden Ring. And uh, as you can see what the title is called, Neon and the Noob, particularly because uh, I'm having a guest and uh, he he does have a podcast and he's on Colin, so uh, be sure to follow him and I'll let him plug that as well. Uh, someone I've known for a while on Twitter, I've also met him a couple of times, and he does gaming, Twitch streams. Uh, he's one of the first people I followed on Twitter who's uh, just really into this stuff and who I would actually occasionally watch on Twitch. And uh, just he's a little bit more into this culture and the media around it uh, than I am. Uh, I recently, as I said on my podcast, recently acquired a PS5. And so I'm looking for games for it, and I, and I heard about this thing called Elden Ring kind of popping up here and there. So I thought, oh, I'm going to buy this and see what this is about. And lo and behold, it's pretty much everything that people are saying it is to me. It's kind of Game of Thrones meets Legend of Zelda. And uh, I haven't, like, spent hours and hours and hours and hours on it or anything. Uh, I'm, I'm a casual gamer who doesn't know much about the world of this game and, and the previous games. And uh, Noam is someone who does. So this is a total uh, niche episode. And, and I just lost my guest already. Okay. Um, and so let me try and get him back. So we thought we would just kind of have some fun uh, today and talk about Elden Ring, the media around it, some of the fun takes around about how uh, there's some ableism with it. It's supposedly supposed to be too hard or what have you, uh, which I, I've read a lot about it and I've gotten into it. And the other thing I want to talk about with him is kind of the culture and the memes and the Reddit threads that have spawned up around it. Um, you, you don't see this with video games very often. The last time I kind of experienced something like this was Red Dead Redemption 2. And we talked with Leon Wolf from The Blaze about it. And so whenever something that's, that truly is kind of um, a cultural phenomena happens like this, uh, it's good to kind of branch off from whatever Brian Stelter's complaining about on Fox News and kind of get into some of this stuff. Uh, so I'll kind of, uh, we're going to do kind of 20, 30 minutes just talking about this and then 30 minutes of questions. Um, we're going to keep it spoiler free for those of you who are players or those of you who want to talk. Uh, keep that in mind uh, as someone who is playing it. And I don't want anything ruined, but that's kind of a big deal with this game is uh, you don't want to spoil bosses. You don't want to spoil areas. And we're not really going to go too much into that. So, uh, Noam, would you like to say hello and, and get this party kickstarted? Uh, yeah, I, if, if this works, uh, I've, I guess I had to quit out and, and come back into the app, I guess. But I, yeah. it, it seems to be working now. Yeah, we're okay. So hey. I, I, think, <laughs> I think you heard kind of my, my choice. I did, yes. I did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and so the reason I wanted you on is because like, it's exactly what it is. Neon and the noob. I'm not, I've never played dark souls games. I'm not, I'm not familiar with the worlds that they do or anything like this. I'm just someone who saw, I watched a couple of trailers for this and I thought, Oh, I'm going to pick this up and I'm completely blown away by it. And I think it's probably going to go down as one of the greatest video games of all time. Would I be wrong in assessing that or tell me, tell, tell me and tell people more about kind of the trilogy of these games, the dark souls games and what they're known for and, how you got into okay uh wow there's uh there's a lot to, to unpack here uh, for, uh first of all we can start with uh, with the souls games yeah 
<laughs> we uh, we can start with the Souls games for a second, and uh, and from software, Japanese uh, developer, uh, and they uh, they essentially uh, uh, created a kind of a genre. It's a little hard to define these days. The the genres of games are getting a little kind of specific, and they become these kind of hybrids of various genres, and kind of develop this sort of. Uh, 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 attitude that's a little hard to pin down. You know, you used to say, like, it's a strategy game, it's a shooter, right? And now you have stuff like Metroidvania or a Souls-like or a Rogue-like, and, uh, which are slightly more uh, abstract and complicated uh, definitions. And Souls-like, which is essentially its own kind of subgenre, basically uh, calls back to the Souls series of games. It's a, a little bit of a complicated history, but essentially the game Demon's Souls followed by the Dark Souls trilogy, um, establish this kind of style of game. It's, um, how will I explain it? It's very punishing. There are RPG styles of games. They're kind of fantasy. Fucking hard. Yes. They're, well, well, so, okay, so I'll tell, I, here's how I'll explain it. When I got introduced to it, because I haven't played these games a ton, I'm a big fan of the style, and I'm a big fan of this developer. I'm, I'm, I exist in a kind of a new, there's kind of a new type of a gaming fan, which is a, a, someone who maybe played the games a little or some, but also likes to watch other people play them, read about them, watch videos about them, because these games are so expansive, and some of them, you know, you'll never, some, uh, some people who aren't completionists, you know, you're not going to necessarily put in the hundred hours it's going to take to finish every game in the series, and there's lots of lore, and that, so, that you know... Yeah, I'm, and so, I'm, not a, I'm not a completionist at all. Well, there you go. And so, I, I'll try and stuff. I think the only one I ever came close to completing was Arkham Knight. Okay. Uh, because I just wanted to kick the shit out of the Riddler. Uh, <laughs> that's me. I, I don't I don't go for every side quest. I, don't, I kind of do. I'll get sucked into it. But my goal is to kind of explore and... and Right, and I think that uh, I think the, the the way that sort of gaming exists today creates a space for people to be fans of games that they haven't necessarily sunk four hundred hours into, but have watched four hundred hours of gameplay of maybe. Um, and so when I was introduced to the original Dark Souls game, the way it was explained to me was that it's a, a sort of a slow game where no death is unfair, where you need to really think about everything you do and every combat encounter, including like the very first one with the most basic of enemy will just wreck you if you're just reckless. You can't just button mash. You can't just go in and hit, hit the button. There's uh, there's wind up times for every attack and healing takes time and all kinds of stuff like that. The idea is that not everything you do is risky, like literally everything you do is risky, right? The checkpoints are spaced far apart and you lose. There's things that you lose in death. Uh, and so you, you want to be very cautious. Um, and yeah, these games became extremely popular along these three, the series of three games. And then they also made Bloodborne, which is a in the same style, but not in that same trilogy. And also Sekiro, which is similar, but also not in that same world. And yeah, so, Elden. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So, but there. Is, so as I kind of dove into this, and like, uh, I don't do a ton of YouTube watching uh, on stuff. I do kind of to see. Okay, I'm gonna roll this type of class, and I just I want like a brief guide. Okay, how should what what should I put points into and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there really is kind of a hardcore cult following with these games. There's there's like dedicated. There's I watched this whole thing about you know a, a run where the guy tried to complete these games without getting hit or take damage or beat and stuff like this. Not just get not just without it's, getting hit. There's a, a guy did. There's the they they used to call this uh it, it's called a Soulsborn Nekiro 
no hit run. Somebody did somebody did a marathon where they beat all of those games, all three Dark Souls games, Bloodborne and Sekiro, n- hitless on level one without up without uh, leveling up their character once. With like a club, like with yeah. Like a club. And this you takes you know yeah, and it's like a twenty. It's, a, it's like a twenty hour marathon or whatever. But again, you get hit once, you got to start all over again. And I believe the guy who did this got hit once on the very final fight of that entire run and had to do it again. Uh, so, so there is, there, does it, and maybe I'm wrong, but it definitely feels like there is a hardcore kind of cult following with these games. As I'm looking at Reddit, as I'm looking online, there's things where it's like if you use summons, if, if you summon ashes, or if you use an, an assistant, then you're not considered like a real Souls player. Things like this, <laughs> and it's crazy. Like, just me looking at this, I'm like, you know, if the game puts it in there, I'm going to fucking use it. Okay, so, but there is there is this kind of, it feels like as you read, there's almost, again, there's there's this kind of hardcore following with these games that you that I haven't seen with other games like Grand Theft Auto or, or Red Dead or anything like that. Is that is that an accurate assessment about kind of what the cult is? Well, it's, it's interesting that you bring up uh, specifically summons, uh, just to, in case people uh, want to understand, like, uh, one of the mechanics in this game. I mean, we can we can take a step back for just one second and say that, uh, that uh, uh, Elden Ring is a, a fantasy, a dark fantasy game that's played out in, like, a very big open world. And George R. R. Martin uh, was brought in to kind of liven up the lore of it and yeah. give it that kind of, like, fa- sort of fantasy author flourish. Yeah, it's really great and yeah, messed uh, up and yeah, it's like Game of Thrones meets Breath of the Wild and and that's I'm not I'm not really into Nintendo's bubbly <laughs> graphics or anything so I never played that. Berserk um, people bring up Berserk a lot which is I think uh, one of uh one of uh, his uh one of Miyazaki, Miyazaki Hidetaka Miyazaki who's the the direct the creative director yeah. of all these games and or whatever. For what, and for what uh, I thought and so and yeah, and for what I think like so what things that turn me off on games like this is crafting your gear gets broken. You have to pay to repair gear. And it feels like that that's all just been put aside. You can do crafting, but it's not like you need to do it. Um, and it, that's one of the allures with me that I got into this. I'm like, if I have to go and fucking craft or repair my gear or do all of that stuff that you see online games, I'm like, I'm going to be done with this. And, and to my pleasant surprise, all, you don't have to be a hardcore you know, person to do that stuff. You can just dive in, and one of the other things, and I'll let you elaborate, is they don't tell you really what to do. Right, your character and, just goes. It's like you're in the world. Have well, and you were, you were, you were, you were touching on, you know, get good culture, right? Which is a thing that uh, Dark Souls is. Uh, sort of central to, you know, it, it turned into a meme of calling hard games, you know, the Dark Souls of X, you know, like a hard, like like Cuphead, which is a platformer, like a relentlessly hard platformer that came out. It's kind of old school in the sense that, like, there's bullets flying everywhere and you got to do whatever. And, you know, like people jokingly called it the Dark Souls of platformers, right? Um, but what you're talking about here is that, and there was this, there was all this discourse about, should this game have easy mode? Should Elden Ring have easy mode? Should it be a Souls game with an easy mode? And it turns out it does have an easy mode. And what happened, you just described it. They just didn't, there's not a setting where you say start in easier normal mode. But you can use summons or not use summons. You can go grind for five hours and level up on small enemies or you cannot do that. Like I've been beating bosses without using ashes, without using summons because I want to. I don't know, like encounters, if I go and I encounter a cap that has 15 enemies in it, or there's bosses that have ads, what they call, like it's a boss, but then there's also like six regular enemies just hanging out, 
then I'll summon some wolves to go take care of those guys, and then I'll fight the boss. But that's like my that's how I like to play it. But the thing is, the game, the game gives you options, and another thing is, it's open worldness gives you options. Dark Souls, until later in the game, you're essentially forced to like bash yourself against the same gauntlet of enemies to get to a certain place again and again until you get good, as they say. Here. If something's a little too hard, just swing your horse around 90 degrees, go another direction, find something else to do, get better at that, and then come back and do this thing. Like, I, that's what I've been doing a lot. I've been I've been in this game for like 30 plus hours, and I'm not very far into it at all. I'm just exploring. I'm just wandering around, looking at things, finding interesting things to do. Yeah, and and that, that's the other thing you talk about, um, should there be easy mode, and that's, that's, the, that's the other thing I want to get into with this. And so how I'm playing it right now is I've basically rolled four classes. So I play. I rolled a hero, who I built up as kind of a swings the big strong swords. I've rolled a confessor, which drove me crazy, but I've really kind of gotten into it. And I've just progressed past the first open area. So I just, I'm, I get into the second area and then I kind of stop and then I go roll a new character. So I have four that I'm working on. And that's, you know, people will do that. This is one of the things that's great about it. It demands you to, uh, play it multiple times like you learn new techniques you may discover something you you missed you play a boss that you can beat easily the first the, the second time you play them and so i basically have rolled about four characters and i'm just like okay now i know what to do i can go over here i can get money i can go here to get the weapon and uh I, so i haven't progressed at all i've gotten to the secondary with four characters but something you mentioned is when this first came out and I saw, and I don't read a lot of game journalism, I, I don't see a lot of point in it. It's, it's kind of like, I'm just going to go play my video game and shut up. It's me time. <laughs> but you talked about like, there was this, eight, this, they want an easy mode and they went to the developer, the guy who created it. And he just said, you know, sorry, you know, I, I'm not going to do that. We're known for this game. And there was a lot of game journalism that was like, this game is ableist. It doesn't allow for everyone to play it because of that. And it felt like they just weighed in with their hot takes. Um, and so you you probably read more of those than I have. So go into some of the media you've seen. Well, I, there's a, it's interesting because um, there's a, this happens not only in gaming, but we're we're seeing this a lot uh, now in the the merging of like Japanese media and American business interests. Like they become kind of commingled. Like ooh, like anime is a big. Uh, a big place where that happens too. And so what you're seeing is you're seeing the clash of like contemporary liberal American sensibilities run up against like Japanese media conventions, which are sort of unpalatable to more woke American audiences, things that are uh, humorous tropes in anime. Like, you know, for example, like the idea of like the striped underwear, which is like a, it's the equivalent of like a, a, a slip on a banana peel joke in Japan, like where somebody like falls and you see their, underpants and the underpants are striped it's like it's literally one of those kinds of things and uh every time that happens like there's a like a americans gotta throw a fit about it and a lot of people in japan are like like what like kind of look at it and shrug like what are you what are you mad about we don't get it um and uh here in in gaming yeah like i i feel like um i feel like fromsoft might have been a little confused that they were even asked this i mean it's sort of uh if if you if you're in gaming at all it's been true forever that uh, Japanese games were harder than uh, Western games. I mean, even like not with the original intent, like uh, uh, 
uh, uh, Super Mario 2 on the NES, right? Mario 1, Super Mario Brothers 1 on Nintendo was the same everywhere. Then in Japan, they put out uh, Mario 2, but they figured it would be too hard for Western audiences, so we got a totally different game. We did not get the Japanese Mario 2. We got a totally different game, and then they later released it later. Or they would make they would make, um, they would would make make games easier in their Western ports. I don't know why this was a thing, but it just always has been. Um, and yeah, I think they were a little confused with the with being asked like they were like this is our vision, you know, being relentlessly hard is part of the is part of the experience of these games. You're meant to feel kind of hopeless and helpless a little bit. <laughs> do you think it, do you think it's just a liberalized US media who's like this isn't fair. This needs to be fair for everyone that like kind of what we see in kids sports and regular sports and is that part of it, or is that just kind of what they're saying? It's like, this game's too hard, and you just die too much, and it's not fair. We need to make well, well, you know, I think you and I have a, a, a tendency more to that, and, and uh, an indication was that a, a big uh, – because when the game came out, right – and people realized what I just said, that essentially there are sort of, you know, easy mode, quote unquote, just means that there's lots of ways that you can facilitate uh, the difficulty. Uh, the discourse became other things. The discourse became like, oh, this game doesn't have a quest log. The UI of this game is crap because it doesn't explain things and it doesn't show you where the quest, you know, it doesn't explain the quests to you or whatever. You, everything was about UI, UI. And what that to me meant was that American game developers, I can picture it in my head because it's the same in every American corporate structure. They have these meetings and they have these uh, slide decks about how to design a UI. And there's probably all kinds of weird catchy catchphrases that the gaming industry has about like how many clicks away do you have to be from your intended desire? You know what I mean? Like I'm sure you – I'm sure uh, the people listening to this, whatever industry you're in, you've probably been at a PowerPoint – Right. In your industry. And uh, the conventions say stuff like that, like uh, like uh, there's there's always some kind of like weird. Uh, there's people whose job it is to to come up with these like three point plans, you know, set a set an intention, click three times, reach intended target or whatever. It seems like Frum's uh, game design was like, what do we want to spend the most time on? Let's spend the most time on that and, like, not spend time on anything else. They recycled some animations from Dark Souls 3. They recycled some assets. They recycled the you die, the sound effect from Dark Souls. Because they were like, who cares? People love it. Nobody's going to complain that the door opening animation is different if this is the if this game blows your mind. You're not going to be like, yeah, but the, 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 the animation of him opening the door is the same as it was in Dark Souls 3. Like, why would you want to even animate that over again if you already have it in your like asset library i think it was your twitter feed where i saw someone complaining that you have to keep a journal like they're and i'm, I'm picturing like this person playing either on the computer or whatever and they have their notebook next to them and i just it's fascinating to me like, well the like, thing is it wasn't even like, like well it wasn't like, even I a complaint and, yeah it, no, it, it was like you have to keep a journal for well no 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 so well, so the, the, the story was that uh, that Jason Schreer, who reviewed it, said – I think he said this even positively. He said like, you know, it's so rich in the lore sorts that like I was keeping uh, like a notebook with all the names of the NPCs. And then people were like, this is bullshit. I should have a menu where I can read all this stuff off. <laughs> but the thing is like you don't need to do that. It's not a necessity. I have a notebook right here, by the way, where I'm walking around in my day 
like I'm in the shower and I'm like, oh shit, there was a door. I, I just hit me that when I was playing, there was a door and I was running away from the dragon. So I didn't have any time. So I run to my notebook and I write near dragon, check door or whatever. And the next time I pick up the game, I'm like, oh, go check out that door now. Like I do that a lot. I did that with Breath of the Wild as well. That to me is an indication of a good game, not a bad game. Yeah, it was. So I've had two recent moments in video games that have given me PTSD. The first, the first one was in Red Dead Redemption. Uh, up in the mountains, there's a wooden shack, and you just walk up and you open the door, and a fucking grizzly bear just closed, just comes right down on top of you. I'm like, okay. okay. And then the second one was I'm riding around. So to give you an idea, the first, the first time I, I walk into this world, I, I come out of the dungeon and I open the thing, and it's all pretty, and I'm like, oh, okay. And you walk up and talk to the dude, and you see the gold knight, and I, I literally just walked up to the gold knight. So there's a giant gold knight on a horse for people who have played it. And I just walk up to him like, oh, hello, knight. And he just fucks me up. Like, right. I'm like, okay. Wrecks you how, instantly. I'm like, well, that's how we're going to do this. But the, the first time that I kind of got PTSD with this is I'm riding around the swamp and I'm just going around the ruins and I'm coming. Around, and there are these six or seven dudes with torches and they're kind of on a pyre and a bonfire. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go kill these guys. And right out of the sky comes, like, coming way down. And it's one of those opening holy shit moments where you just go, yeah, we're, we're in a different place now with video games. Like, and this dragon just comes right down on top of these guys. And you're like, okay. So I, I pieced out of there pretty fast. And now <laughs> the thing that I think is fascinating for as hard as people complain about it, it's not so hard to where you can't learn what's happening. So... With the with the first big boss that you fight, it's a guy named Margit or Margit, and you you run into this guy and he kills you five or six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven times, and then you learn tricks and there's things you can do. And then with the fourth character I've rolled, I think I beat him without getting hit. And so you can learn how to play these things. So it's not like you keep running in and you keep running in. And as you said. Uh, if you keep dying, you you learn. Okay, I'm not ready for this, and then you can just you know ride off and go do something else, get better, and get higher gear and whatever. And so I find I find the the complaints about the game, you know, kind of deaf in that sense. I'm like, no, it's not like it's so impossible. You like you can learn how to beat these things. Um, the other last thing I wanted to go into is just the meme culture that I've seen pop up around this is this is kind of what I mean about a media phenomenon and stuff. And I'm sure that there's other gaming threads and stuff on Reddit, but I'm looking at like Reddit threads and I've seen some of the best memes from a video game that I've seen in a couple of years. There's like one of my favorites and then I'll kind of get your thoughts on it and you can point out some of this stuff is someone did the weekend from the halftime show saying the first on your first run through and they 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 blew, they kind of green screened uh, the opening area behind him, and he's looking around and he's scared and whatever. And then they did on your second run through, and like heavy metal comes in, and it's Christian Bale from American Psycho running yeah. with the chainsaw. Yeah, and I just crack me up because that's like basically exactly what I did. So when I, you go and fight the first Wolfman in the cave, I just I went in with the hero with the axe, and I took off all of my clothes because I hate the outfit, and I just went after him with the axe and just destroyed him. And I just was laughing at this stuff. So tell me, like. Uh, what you see as far as like i said the kind of internet and meme culture with this stuff is it is it bigger than what you've seen with other games is is this definitely something that's you know on another level than what you've seen? oh yeah i mean i don't think i don't think there has been something like this 
uh, where where it's a game that everybody is playing. That doesn't. That's not a thing that happens. We're first of all, we're in an age of uh, of uh, sort of increasing platform exclusivity. It comes in waves because it used to be fully platform exclusive. Then everything kind of kind of merged, and now it's slowly breaking up again. Uh, and so you do have because like you got Horizon Forbidden West. Which I believe is a, I believe is a, it's 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 a, like a PlayStation Five exclusive, I think. Yeah, it is on PS Five. I have yeah. played it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and you got like the Demon Souls, uh, the Demon Souls remake, which is on console, and you have things that are PC only, you know, that kind of stuff. The, uh, but this also was like again, it's popular on levels that are hard to explain. Like FromSoft's uh, projections were for it to sell four million copies in the first thirty days, and it sold twelve in the first seventeen days. Okay, it tripled its sales estimates in like half the time. Um, and it, I, I mean, it's it's hard to like it's hard to explain. Like it 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 did. Things that no nobody even and, and even with all of the hype, it's it both sold more and was more like well regarded by everyone by both like the critics and the players. It's gonna be on people's minds for years, like you said, because it offers so much. Even Dark Souls again is, is still a thing that people do with for years, and this uh, has so much more than that. All kinds of uh, different places you can go and. Th- ways that you can go about finishing the game with, with more or with less completionist routes and uh and uh yeah I was already I already saw there was like a charity stream yesterday I think where they did all kinds of challenge uh runs uh speed runs are now I think the world record is now something like 37 minutes this world record speed run of this game is like beating it in 37 minutes which again I I'm not watching yet cuz I don't want to get spoiled on anything or as lit on as little as I can because I've I've had some really great like that moment you described with the dragon is a moment I saw because it was in like the some of the announcement footage and also in the network test but I had a couple of moments like that elsewhere already uh, getting to new areas and seeing certain things in the game that I didn't know I was going to see and, and having really cool experiences with that. Um, and yeah, uh, again, I've, I've been, I've put like 30 hours in it. I get bored with games quickly. It's not, it's rare for me to put in many, many hours into a game, even a good game. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, this, uh, this has been awesome. I've been having a blast with it. Uh, before I do questions, what's your play style? Are you just rolling one, you pick one class and you're going with your one thing, or do you stop and pick something else and then play through that way or, or... Uh, what what's your playstyle? I I rolled one character and he doesn't exist anymore because I fucked up his armor and his builds to the point where I couldn't even move. And instead of like going through and doing everything, I just went, okay, I haven't got this guy that far. I'm going to start him over. So I have like four guys that are just over there, and right now I'm running with like a spell blade. So I'm running with the prisoner with the sword and the wand and I'm just cleaning house with him. So he might end up being the one I take the farthest, but the confessor one was really fun for me after you do a lot of work to get him built up. So you need a shield and you need to go over here. So how do you do it? Do you just run one guy and then you're going to go back and run others or whatever? And this is kind of what you, you talk about the world building is this. I mean, this is a game I can see 
playing or having for the next year. Like, I, I won't be shocked if I don't actually beat this thing for months on end. Um, so go yeah, Skyrim. Play. People are mentioning Skyrim. And by the way, we're not even – like uh, like uh, From has uh, put out in their history some uh, really chunky DLC for their games. And so this game could have – a whole new area added to it at some point as like a DLC pack. And like, by considering like how they delivered on this, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the content that they have planned to put out for this game next would be nice and hefty. Like you, they could insert all kinds of new NPC quests into this world. Like there's a lot of stuff that they can do that, uh, that will uh, flesh out this game in ways that, like, uh, other games, they had to just, like, add another area, like, tack on another area with more bosses. Here they can just, like, add more stuff to the world that already exists, put in another cave, put in another, I don't know, castle somewhere. Um, it, but, is, it is online. It is accessible online, so they can download it. I saw a funny joke. There's a thing called a Stone Sword team. Mm-hmm. Which you, you collect or you buy, and then it, it gives you access to areas or to go get certain things. And someone joked, I think it was on Reddit, that said, if this was a biohazard game, you'd have to buy these. Yeah, like, yeah. With real money. Yeah, with and real so money. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing is everything is so self-contained in the game. You can't go and buy special armor. You can't go and buy a cool thing. And one of the things I think I saw, I saw you talking about, and I even talked to you about it, is because it's online, there's a thing where other players can come and invade you playing. They leave messages on the ground. Uh, and there's kind of some controversy popping up over this because players are, are trolling other players with messages they leave on the ground. So it's they'll leave a message on a cliff that says, try jumping, and, and you jump, and it's like, ah, shit. It or was hilarious. Someone wrote an article. Someone wrote an article about about how the messages are awful, and all of the quote tweets were like, he totally jumped off the cliff, didn't he? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't. It was like, dude jumped off the cliff and wrote a whole article about yeah, it. <laughs> and so people leave messages on the. So for people who are listening, if, if because it's an online game, you're not really playing with other players. There is a multiplayer aspect to it, but I I don't do that. Like I said, when I do this, it's me time. And so people can leave little glowy messages on the ground, and you go up and you read it, and it can either mean something. Someone might give you a tip, like you know, try this, try that. But the majority of them are just nerds posting troll messages, like you said, like jump off the cliff here. Or, yes, or illusory, they'll, 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 illusory wall ahead, but there is none, and so you're right. just hitting a wall. Yeah, yeah you, mm-hmm. just, you just keep hacking a wall. Yes, and exactly. They're also, and, they're also putting them on, you know, they're hindering gameplay, so they're putting them on these gray. So a gray site is a marker that you save. So if you write it and you go up to it and you touch it, it's this little candle on the ground. Oh, did they put it there so that you can't? They put the message right on the gray site so you can't touch it. And that's that's hilarious. That's such true. That's such true. And by the way, my, uh, I'm playing very vanilla. What you just described is actually a really great way to have uh, gone about this game, which is to like restart it a couple of times with different roles. I've been playing with a single, with a single character, and, uh, yeah, I might actually, like, restart it. I'm, I just played as, a, like, a regular Vagabond. I just now finally found a, a Glintstone staff so that I can cast some Glintstone Pebble. <laughs> I didn't have one until now. But um, I might. I don't know. It, it's, it's, I, but I definitely I'm, – I'm very thorough. Yeah. Uh, when I played Breath of the Wild, I played it once, but I played it for, like, 130 hours or something like that. And I did everything that I felt like I wanted to do. entire Twitter feed for about three months was Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And uh, and, and so I'm saying what I did was, like, I did everything I thought I wanted to do in the game in one playthrough. And then I was like, okay, cool. I'm done now. Here, I think I might abandon that uh, instinct maybe 
forge ahead towards the end, finish it, and then restart and do other things with a different kind of character, maybe other side quests and, and stuff like that. Maybe, I don't know, it, it, it affords you that ability, which is cool. Yeah, I don't, I kind of stick to, so if I'm like the samurai, I don't plan on using like magic with him. I'm like, he's a samurai, he's not going to use a wizard staff. And that's, again, one of the things you talk about is the freedom that this game gives you. You can, you can start as like a wizard, but then you can, you can build your stats up to where you can be a knight and never use wizard. And it does, the amount of freedom that this game allows the user is just incredible. And I think that that's, the biggest allure for me is I don't, I don't like being told to, you can't do this over here, you can't do that. And so uh, that to me is kind of the biggest allure of this. It's just, it's kind of this open sandbox where there is a progressive story, but it's just kind of like, it's, for me right now, it's the least interesting thing about it. The most interesting thing is discovering new areas, new enemies, new things that like, oh, there's a, there's a shiny crystal dragon now. And then learning that you don't have, when you see some giant walking, you don't have to be intimidated by him. Or like, oh, I, I know how to beat this guy now. So uh, we're going to, I'm going to jump in. So we're about 30 after and anyone who's either played it, have questions about it, um, whatever. And if you need tips, tricks, anything like that, um, you're going to have to talk to Noam because I'm a complete idiot with this stuff. <laughs> um, I'm the noob in the title. So, Jenny. I'm doing well. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, go, go ahead. I am curious about gaming culture overall. I We didn't let our kids play video games too much when they were growing up in our home because we felt like it was a waste of time. But now that they're all adults, um, I've come to find out that my boys, especially, I have three sons, they spend quite a bit of time gaming with their friends and each other. And I asked my daughter, who's married, and her, my son-in-law plays with these guys the same sort of games. That you know, aren't you resentful that he spends so much time on this? And she said that it was, it was wonderful just to have him home and doing what he loved and talking to his brothers-in-law and his friends and just kidding around playing games. So I'm curious about the games themselves. Are they, you know, writing this collegiate feeling into the game so that they're multiplayer and fun, or is it just a coincidence? Uh, that's a good. Uh, that's a good question. Well, I so I don't have kids, but I do talk a lot. I do get people with kids ask me about games, like, "Hey, is, well, is this game appropriate for a kid of this age or that age or whatever?" And when I tweet about games, people with kids will tweet me that they played this game with their son or or, or something like that. Um, I, I think this game in particular has an aspect that uh, this other game, Breath of the Wild, does have too. Uh, which brought me back to my pre-internet days where it has meta lore. So the game has lore, meaning like the world has lore. This is the, the this king and this prince and they're at war, whatever. The game has mechanical lore. Like, hey, did you know that if you combine those two items, you can do this or that? Or do you know that if you go look behind this bush, you might find this item, right? And those things... Uh, 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 precipitate uh, real-world interactions, not in-game interactions, like what they used to call, you know, like the water cooler talk or like what you talk with your friends at with school. Hey, do you know that in Mortal Kombat you can do this combo if you hit A, B, whatever? I don't know. Or here's a cheat code that I figured out or my cousin told me. I love that stuff. I When I stream Elden Ring, I 
ask people not to spoil stuff, but I will ask about things like this. Like I just, people taught me how to do stat scaling, for example, which is something I didn't understand how to read on screen, what I was seeing on screen and how to stat scale your weapon and stuff like that. Or here's an item that if you combine, if you craft it with this item, you can resist this kind of poison. I don't know. Like I love that kind of stuff. And yeah, I do think that, um, you know, like playing with your kid, for example, uh, and being able to like uh, help them over hurdles that are that they might just be just slightly too young for in terms of like understanding something or being able to beat a certain enemy or whatever would be amazing. Like I'm thinking like my experience as a kid, like getting stuck in a game and having my boomer father who, you know, like the he was impressed by the. He was impressed by the, the inner workings of the NES console on a, like an electrical level. But that was as that was as video gamey as he got. Um, but like, yeah, having having someone be able to like uh, solve some kind of puzzle that was a little too obscure for me as a kid or whatever would have been an awesome like father son type experience. Yeah, it's it's crazy how, you know, we you were about the same age, but I mean, we were the first video game generation. Really, if you're in the '80s and '90s, you're, you if you were you went from Nintendo to Sega to PS, and now you have kind of all of these kids who grew up and they never. I'm sure there's a good chunk of them, and, and I, somebody brought this up on my podcast about how much of a percentage do you think like the gaming generation grew up. And, you know, now you're adults and you own a console and that's kind of me. I don't play it all the time. I don't, you know, spend every waking hour on it. Um, but it is interesting that, you know, it's not something that our generation outgrew. It's not something we look down on like our kids for playing because it's kind of like it's not something we ever outgrew because the technology just keeps getting better and better and better and better. And we're able to keep up with it. So it's, you know, we, we can, we can talk about what Nintendo days were like and the Sega Genesis and the Contra cheat codes and things like that. So it is an interesting kind of sociological experiment that, you know, you do have, uh, our parents were just kind of like, yeah, take your Nintendo and shut up. Merry Christmas, leave us alone kind of thing. And the kids that played those Nintendos are now grown up and they, they have these stuff to play with their kids or in some cases, maybe they don't, but we really just never outgrew this. And, and that's, that's a testament to how the technology has just advanced with us. And it's just kind of like, it didn't just stop with like Star Fox on PS1, which is like the coolest thing in the world when you got it. And it, it really is interesting how, you know, we, you can be 35, 36, 37 years old. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to buy fucking Elden Ring and, and leave me alone, kids. I, I need two hours. It's. I mean, I, I I do believe the the average the the average age of the American gamer is like thirty five, and that's not. People might use that as a you know like as a knock, but I think it it says more, like you said, to the to 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 its its sort of ubiquity as like a form of almost all age entertainment, and yeah, like. For, for the same reason that the Lord of the Rings movie can appeal to someone who's 19 and to somebody who's 40, Elden Ring can also appeal to somebody who's 19 and to somebody who's 40. Like there's not – they're both of them are, you know, big fantasy epics. And one of them happens to be one where you're, you move the person around and swing the sword with them and the others you watch someone else move around and swing their sword. Like it's yeah, not... and it's not, it's not cheesy. This is like, I was, uh, so I had my confessor, and for those of you who are playing, the confessor's kind of like Opus Dei. He's kind of like in a church robe and he has a sword and they just look fucking cool. And 
I'm in like a I'm in a I'm in a catacomb and I drop down into this like swamp and it's just zombies just keep coming up out of the mud and you at first you're like kill him kill him kill him and then you realize oh shit they're all they're not going to die they're just going to keep coming and my dude is just covered in fucking blood like he's just face head to toe just drenched in like zombie blood and I'm thinking like that is so it's such a great detail and that's what this is. There's just so many great details that it's like, oh, this is not like a PG-13 kids game. Like this is. Oh know, no no, this is yeah no no. You can turn you can turn the blood off, um, but I'm just like that was one of the moments where I'm just like it's realistic. Like my guy is just head to toe splattered, and there's splatter on the walls, and, it, and I'm just sitting there like I could do this all day, and, and then you and, realize, oh shit, they they keep coming. So well, you can turn off. You can turn off the blood splatter blood. You can't turn off, like, the fact that in the plot, the main, the, you know, the, the first boss that you got to beat kills people and cuts their limbs off and sews them yeah. to himself. Yeah. You know, like, that's still... And bl- and Bloodborne, if you want to talk about fucked up, mature themes, Bloodborne is just atrocious. It's like a horrific Lovecraftian kind of horror style it's awful. Like it's kind of nightmare fuel. Um, and, uh, and yeah. And I, I also find it very intricate. The world is very interesting. It, it has an open world that feels, I, I was, I was talking about this uh, on Twitter. Uh, unlike other open worlds, it feels like a world that's going on without you. There's I keep walking up on battles on like NPCs having yes. a war with other NPCs because there are different factions of humans there and there's also monsters. And I will literally just like sidle up to a battle all of a sudden of monsters and people. And it has – I'm just standing there collecting their runes yeah, as they die. Like, like I'm not – I have nothing to do with it. You can just, there's a good area in Kalid, which is kind of the new notorious meme area. It looks like hell. And there's just a great area where you can just sit up on a thing and th- these giant rat dogs are fighting soldiers. And you can just sit up there and <laughs> you're just collecting all the death ruins. And I'm like, this is pretty great. Yeah, and uh, and ch- there's choke points in the terrain that are all like barricaded, like a real in a real war situation. Like places where the only place that you can pass some kind of uh, cliff will just have soldiers and barricades there because like because you gotta go through there i i love that stuff it's so there's so much detail that's why i said i've been spending hours just like riding around looking at stuff <laughs> joe uh what's on your mind are you are you a noob who uses summons or someone said if you use summons you're a <laughs> so is... hey fellas no i am not a noob um this is probably my fourth from software game and i am a brute force deal it samurai um i have never used magic in any from software game dating back to the first souls i am just very much give me my two-handed broadsword i will go in there i'll probably die 10 times but i'm gonna dish it (laughs) that's 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 my whole approach um no I'm, i'm i'm absolutely loving this game i am I'm like level 100 or so, just to give you an idea as to how much time I've withered away in it. But uh, no, I'm, I'm absolutely loving every second of it. Um, I think, um, as I mentioned, like this is probably my fourth or so from software game. And it's been really, really amazing to watch just how with each successive game, going back to Demon Souls with From Software, how they have... Um, tried some some things subtly and seeing which works 
So we, we take a little bit from the Dark Souls games. We took a little bit from Bloodborne, which I'm about to get into. And we even took a little bit from their game Sekiro mm -hmm. from 2019, where, well, what, what would happen if we introduced a crouching feature and a jump feature? What a difference that makes. Yeah, oh, isn't this, doesn't uh, Sekiro also have like a, like a poise meter, like a stance breaking it, thing? It does, it does. And, and Elden Ring certainly borrows more from that in this game than I think Bloodborne kind of started to flirt with a little bit, but Sekiro certainly went like full on with that and um, to the game's advantage too. Um, but what, what I, what I was going to say was, um, Neon, you had started talking about Bloodborne. That was my first foray into a from soul uh, to a to a from soft game, mm -hmm. and you want to talk about a baptism by fire when it comes <laughs> when it comes to these types of games. I was basically my first playthrough in that. I was reduced to the old man from a Christmas story when he's dealing with the furnace, just. Speaking in absolute gibberish, cursing, <laughs> words that don't even exist in the English vocabulary, yelling at the screen for how unbelievably hard it was. How many and, times, and how many times did you die to that one collection of uh, people around the fire? Away! Away! Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you were not wanted here. The, you, you, and also, like, on that topic of PTSD... Even if I go back to the game, I am avoiding those dungeons like the plague. Even <laughs> men even mentioning the um, uh, the dungeon where you have half your health in that game just sends shivers up my spine because of how absolutely dread-inducing it is. It's probably the one area in a FromSoft game that actually gives me more dread than Kalid does, honestly, which I didn't think was possible. But um, Kalid is so awful. And by the way, I want to I want to say something about Bloodborne. And also about Elden Ring, because, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, one of the criticisms, quote unquote, of this game in comparison to a game that just came out, Horizon Forbidden West, is the graphical fidelity of this game. And I actually think that much like uh, Bloodborne did to me on PS4, this to me is a testament to how art direction is way more important than how many like how how much ray tracing you fucking have in your game like because i, I went, it, there's that you could go watch uh one of my uh my my the streams i did of bloodborne on ps4 like years ago it's it's on my youtube and i i walk up to like a door and i just stand there and i'm like look at this fucking door look how good it looks and it's just the game is designed so well it looks so well because of the art direction even though, yeah, like PS4, like there's games now that look technical on a technical level way better, a Cyberpunk 2077 or whatever. But this game is so gorgeous because of the art direction and because of how it's designed that I'm not I there would at no point did I think to myself, this game doesn't look as good as other games do right now. Not even for a second. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And um and I'll leave with uh, one parting thought. Um I don't know. If, I don't know if you guys had mentioned um, uh, earlier, but the game is uh, co-written by George R. R. Martin, mm -hmm. and um, I just wanted to use this one opportunity to say, while it is a fantastic game, it is one more reason why I will forever hate the fat bastard because he's not actually going to finish his original series. The end. <laughs> 
I'm yeah, not even going to. He's, gonna, he's, he's I, just jumping over the Elden Ring. It's like you can you could go and finish your books, or you can take a ton of money, and we're going to hire you to go write for a video game. Oh no, I'm, I'm going to go for the video game. I'm not even. I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to read it. I'm not even going to read whatever Winds of Winter at this point. I don't. I don't care anymore. Yeah. Connor, you're up, and we're we're gonna just we're gonna wrap this up in about four uh, about uh, in ten minutes. Just a quick hour chat about kind of the fun things about this. But uh, yeah, we can do a we can we can follow up in like a month or two yeah, after we're, we'll see, we'll see we're <laughs> exactly no, do a little check in. I couldn't I couldn't get past the rotter on, dude. I'm I fucking quit. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, good man, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, so. I haven't bought Elden Ring yet, uh, despite all of my friends uh, trying to get me to buy it. Um, I will buy it at some point, but um, <laughs> I wanted to just kind of bring up a thought, uh, hear what you guys had to say about it, uh, just kind of about games in general. Um, you know, we like I, like I said, I've heard a lot of people say really good things about Elden Ring, uh, you know, talk about just how much they've been enjoying it, uh, kind of what you were saying, Noah, there's some aspects of it that they took from the other from software games, but you know, that formula works and people like that. Um, and I think it's just such a contrast to some of these like other big AAA titles like battlefield, um, you know, or call of duty where they just pump out a title, uh, every year, every couple of years or whatever. Uh, and basically you just get a polished turd essentially. Um, it's just a giant pile of bugs and problems and things like that. Uh, but it feels like they, they keep getting away with it, right? It keeps happening that these games keep coming out um, and people keep buying them. Uh, so I was wondering what your thoughts are on that. Why do you think they, you know, why do you think they're able to get away with it? Why do you think people keep buying it? Um, and, you know, what makes like something like Elden Ring a lot better than, I don't know, like a Battlefield or a Call of Duty? Uh, well, I mean, why do people uh, keep buying it is a, is a, the mystery of ages, right? I mean, I do think that on some level they still enjoy them. Like uh, there's, uh, there's people I know or, or you know, like uh, watch on YouTube and stuff who are – who love like Halo Infinite and the Battlefield games and stuff. And yeah, we'll have like a lot of criticism for the new game that comes out because it's buggy or because it has this and that. But their criticism of it isn't like – this is awful. I never want to play any of these. It's it's sort of like uh, it sounds like uh, it sounds like the complaints of like uh, someone who's the fan of like a bad sports team, right? Who's been bad forever, but they're still a fan and they still go to games and then they still complain about like how they don't trade for anyone or how they have poor draft picks or whatever. But like they stay fans. They're not just like screw this. I'm just gonna go to another franchise, right? That's kind of how it feels like. Um, and it, it, there is – this is a little bit of a – they're a little bit of a strange animal. There aren't a lot of FromSofts out there in the sense that uh, they they grew – they almost worked like an indie-type studio. I mean a CD Projekt Red is a little bit like that. They actually just announced a new Witcher, speaking of them. Um, after they seem to have kind of fixed Cyberpunk 2077 – uh, I think it's sort of in an operational place right now, and I think people are kind of happy with it. The people who want to, but uh, but they they don't work like one of these big studios that look at the look at these games like each new game in like a Call of Duty or a Battlefield, 
is a is a monetization platform. It's not just a game because like FromSoft isn't looking to make micro transactions. I mean, they might sell like a Potboy plush or two, but like call they're not selling any skins. Or that was the joke. That was uh, the the Stone Sword key joke about Ubisoft. You could make that about Call of Duty too. You could be like, oh, I want my uh, vagabond armor. You know, pay with, with camouflage. Yeah, pay 400 You can only get platinum runes through the Epic Games Store or whatever. I don't know, whatever you want to. But, uh, but yeah, I think uh, – and, and by the way, From are not uh, controversy-free. Some of their DLC in the past was criticized for like being too much money for not enough content. The games did release with lots of bugs that needed fixing, including Elden Ring, by the way, which had a bunch of bugs at launch, etc. But at their core, they're really, really good. <laughs> and, like, people just really love them. Like, the, the, the amount of work and effort, they don't feel made by committee. It just, they feel like, it feels like they're trying to do, make the absolute best game they can every time. That's just what it feels like. Yeah, there there is a vision behind the art direction and, and how enemies or creatures or, or how things look. There's there's a very distinct style to it. Uh, one of the things like I, I, I thought about with Elden Ring, it reminds me of where Game of Thrones was in like season three. So you had like the, the Demon Souls and the Bloodborne fan base who, who caught on to Game of Thrones, the television show for the first two or three seasons. And then it you know, after three and the Red Wedding, it just garnered massive mainstream support to where everybody was watching this show. It became one of the biggest shows on television in history. And that's kind of how I liken this game. Like, you have people who have never played the prior games who are latching onto it. I'm one of them. And, uh, you know, Connor said all of his friends are playing, and I've talked to people who just aren't huge gaming people and yeah they're they're sitting here buying this game and they're and they're going in and playing it um i don't know if i don't know if you get to kind of wrap up and closing thoughts i don't know if you get that feeling but it definitely feels like you know as i go back and i and i watch videos of the older games and i see that i'm just like yeah I, i'm not going to get into that that looks like i'm going to just be in for a very bad time and here you have something like i said it, it's outgrown the the internet culture, it's outgrown the gaming culture, and it really has become just this huge thing that, you know, I'm seeing media outlets write about it and talk about it that aren't normally doing that. I think Forbes had a piece on, you mentioned how much money it's raked in in the first two weeks that it's been out, and that's kind of what it feels like to me. It feels like, you know, season four of Game of Thrones where everyone latched onto it, and they were, and they like, oh, this actually is really amazing, and now you have kind of the hardcore players, and are like, yeah, we, we were so yeah, you can just wrap up. Give me some closing thoughts on any of that stuff, and um, and, and then also tell people where they can find you uh, as far as on calling it. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, so uh, yeah, and, uh, so like you said, I, I think there's an added benefit of playing this right now when it's new and everyone is playing it. That experience is rare in this world. It's kind of like with, with Spider-Man No Way Home, where kind of everybody watched it at the same time. But that this doesn't really happen in games, and it is a fun. It is a fun time to be playing this, uh, although it'll probably be fun to be to play uh, to play later as well. Uh, Connor, was there anything you wanted to say just before I uh, before I close it out? Oh no, there we go. He's done. Okay, okay, cool. That was yeah. Sorry. Oh no, no, all right. Oh wait, uh, this was fun. But and, and like I said, we can do a we can do a catch up. We can uh, we can uh, we can touch base again about this and see how we're doing a little while uh, 
Uh, and yeah, like uh, you can uh, you can uh, click on my profile here and follow me and also my show all crossed out, which we do every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. So like this, like, you know, this is today's Monday. So two days away from now. And uh, yeah, just check me out on Twitter at Neon Taster and you can check out my podcast. See, I see Jen and the listeners down below, my co-host, both on Colin and on my podcast, The Ambitious Crossover Attempt, AMBX over on Twitter. Thank you, Steve. You guys, just, you guys mm-hmm. kind of just do culture and film and, and just whatever. Right? Yeah, we, yeah, we spoke. Yeah, no, we spoke about the Batman, but we're it's yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a what it's gonna be a whatever it's gonna be whatever we feel like talking about with people. I don't know, like the Oscars are gonna come up and we we might talk about that when when the Oscars are given out. Or, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's I it's wish, I, it's fun. I like I this. I, I, wish I, I like. Say I could do an hour on the Batman. I saw it last night and it was thoroughly meh. I, wow. I, I have nothing interesting to say about Oof. it. Yeah. Them's fighting words. Yeah, it's funny because <laughs> I, I, I wanted to be in comic book art. Batman was my guy, and I've grown up with all of the lore and all of the films, and I think this might be the most pointless Batman film ever made. Interesting. Not that it's huh? horrible. It, it definitely There's some good things about it, and they, they, get, some, they get some stuff right and different. Um, but I, I felt like all I said on Twitter last night was I feel like he was RoboCop. Like he's just walking around the police station and he's ah oh, Batman, you know, hey, let me in, and he's like hanging out with Jim Gordon with like a a, a flashlight, like he's a Hardy Boy, and I'm just like, eh. this just to me felt like a it was just a pointless exercise. I do want to see where he takes it, so we'll see. But um, yeah, so definitely check out uh, Noma's podcast. Like you said, they jump into all kinds of fun stuff. I've listened to it; it's great. Um, so again, yeah, let's. We should make a tentative date to see where we are in three or four months, and I'll probably be like, ah, I'm just re-rolling guys and playing the first area. Sorry, I haven't <laughs> progressed. Like, that's kind of what I'm at. It's like as soon as I get into the lake area, I'm just like, eh, I don't want to go back. I'm getting good at that first area. I can clean up now. <laughs> so, no, thanks for doing this. I know I got you, and we just said, hey, let's. I just want to screw off. I don't want to, you know, talk about the news of the day. And this is this is something that. Uh, like I said, it's huge and everybody's playing it. So I kind of wanted to tap it a little bit and, and go into it. So thank you yeah, for joining me. Yeah, right. thanks for having me. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks, everyone. We're gonna, I'm going to wrap it up here. It's a shortened episode today. Um, I may do another one this week, uh, more on the topic of hand, and, and I'll take uh, more callers and Q&As and stuff like that. So, everyone, thanks for joining us. This has been Episode 9, Neon and the Noob. I am the noob uh, on all things Elden Ring. Uh, and you can, of course, get me at Red Seas on Twitter and as well as Versus Media on Patreon. Have everyone, have a good one, everyone. Enjoy dying over and over and over again. Cheers.